Hello and welcome. You're listening to On The Pulse, the podcast about community health in Green Bay, Wisconsin. I'm your host, Rob Becker. Before we get started, I want to take a quick second to ask you to please, please, please share the podcast with your friends and family, as well as give us a like on Facebook and a rating in iTunes if you haven't done that already. It really helps us get the word out about the podcast on social media. Today's episode highlights Paul's Pantries, one of the nation's largest food pantries right here in Green Bay. Paul's provides food for over 13,000 people on a weekly basis. For reference, that's about the same number of people as the entire population of Alloway or Swamico. Craig Robbins sat down with me to tell me all about it. Uh, my name is Craig Robbins. Uh, I'm the executive director of Paul's Pantry. Um, I've been here for 18 years, and uh, the pantry was founded in uh, 1984 by Leo Frigo. Um, started out very small and now we've grown into one of the largest food pantries in the United States. Uh, but it was a small, uh, it used to be in the back of the St. Vincent de Paul uh, store at that time. It mm. was very small, maybe a 30 by 30 uh, foot room. And uh, now we have uh, three different warehouses and take up a whole entire block. So uh, it's, it's grown a lot. And, in those 34 years or so. Yeah. And so you've been here for 18 of those 18 34? 18 of those years, yeah. We've gotten quite a bit busier. Um, when I came here in 2000, uh, we were serving about 29,000 visits for food uh, in a year. Uh, this past year, we came very close to 50,000 um, visits for food. So. Uh, as the community grows and the need in the community has grown, we've been able to grow uh, with that and uh, meet the needs of the community. Well, I think as the population of our, you know, and our surrounding areas, uh, mm-hmm. if you look at the population of Brown County, I don't, I don't know what the census was. You know, obviously we continue to grow in this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are moving to the area. Um, so... I think that's one th- one thing. Uh, our economy took a hit, you know, yeah. as everyone knows, uh, the recession, mm-hmm. uh, and that lasted a lot longer for uh, people who are low income. Um, you know, contrary to what people believe, most of our households that are registered here have at least one and sometimes two or three people in that household that are working um, full-time and part-time jobs. Uh, but they're, they're not high-paying jobs. They're your $9 an hour retail or service industry jobs. So it, it's not enough to, to make ends meet. When you look at the, the community and what's available as far as uh, apartments and rental units, and the cost of those, you know, $800 a month for, I mean, it's, it's as much as a mortgage, you know, for a small one or two bedroom apartment. It's a, a tremendous amount of money and you throw utilities and other expenses on top of that, people aren't able to, to make ends meet. Um, mm-hmm. They have to choose between paying the rent and putting groceries on, you know, the table. Our goal is to provide people with enough food every week for as long as needed um, so that they can use those, uh, 
you know, grocery dollars for rent or for utility, uh, medical, you know, school clothes, whatever, whatever it is that, that they need. Um, transportation is another issue uh, that's expensive, uh, you know, to have a vehicle, to, to maintain it, to uh, put fuel in it and the insurance and, and, and all of that. People, uh, you know, they're typically driving older cars that break mm -hmm. down more often. Um, so it, it gets to be, uh, you know, a lot of, for a lot of people, they are living in this cycle of, you know, going from one crisis to the next. Mm -hmm. You know, car breaks down this week and, uh, you know, one of their kids gets sick and they don't have enough uh, money to go get the prescription. And, you know, so they're robbing Peter to pay Paul, as the saying goes. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're taking that rent money and they're, using it for something else. Uh, so Paul's Pantry is able to provide, you know, the, the food, and, and, and so those food dollars can be used for, for other things. We have over 4,000 households registered uh, right now at the pantry. Um, in those households, there are over 13,000 people. So if you think of the population of uh, say Alloway or Ashwaubenon or Bellevue, Howard, some of our surrounding uh, communities that are, you know, not much bigger than, than what, you know, I think uh, Ashwaubenon is like 21,000 and Howard might be 17,000, but you know, we're, we're talking about 13,000 people that we're feeding here on a weekly basis. Um, that's wow. big enough to be a good sized uh, village yeah. so um, it's there's a lot and about half of those that number uh, are children so being able to provide you know nutritious food for for kids um, you know is, is great and it's all because of you know what the community is able to do you know coming together and everyone kind of chipping in and doing their thing I also got a tour of the facilities from Leslie, who runs the operational side of things and organizes all the volunteers. Leslie can sit down with you for a few minutes okay. in her office yeah. uh, and kind of give you a different perspective. She, she handles all of the intake, you know, with the volunteers and all of the, the people coming for food, um, answering the phone, you know, so she's front line, mm -hmm. you know, she's right there day in and day out. I'll uh, give her a call quick. Hey, um, I've got Robert here from the medical college. I don't know if you remember. Uh, it was for a podcast. Yep, I'm going to uh, bring him over. I was wondering, do you have a few minutes just to give him a quick tour? All right, I'll bring, bring him right over. All right, thanks, bye. Hi. Hi. Hello. I'm Leslie. So we'll kind of start you out. Maybe we'll show you the waiting room. Sure. Uh, when a person uh, comes in or uh, a family comes in to, that needs food, uh, there's a, a short application, a one-page application uh, that they will fill out, and then they sit down with an interviewer, and we go over the application. These are our interview rooms around the corner here. Okay. 
Yeah, this is where we do our interviews. There's oh, two of those. Okay. They're kind of messy right now. We're trying to get the Christmas decorations put away. And sure. <laughs> and to register, you need to, um, I don't know if Craig went over that kind of stuff with you or not, need to be a, a Brown County bit. resident, provide proof of address, um, mm -hmm. photo ID, social security numbers, sure. and proof of income. And as okay. long as they fall below the income guidelines, have the other documentation, then they're able to get registered. Mm -hmm. So once they're registered, they're able to actually come and shop once a week, two times a week, or even three times a week, depending on how big their family is. Because we don't receive any federal, state, or local tax revenue, someone's a little bit over over the income limits, we can we can make that exception for a person. Is, is that something that most food pantries do get? I think a lot of the larger uh, programs do. Um, okay. Your small church pantries obviously don't. Sure. Um, but we've always uh, relied upon the community. We rely on God to provide, and, and that happens through individual people. I've seen a lot of organizations over the years um, fold up or you know have to shrink what they're doing because they became too dependent upon one source of, of income mm -hmm. and usually that source was government sure and it's so it's just our one of our founding principles is is that uh, we're going to rely on on God for whatever we need uh, it's his place if he wants to have it It'll be here. If not, it won't. So we 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 try not to worry about about that. Uh, we've never run out of food. Uh, so we've always had leftover. Um, so we we just keep on going. After they're interviewed, they they uh, receive a a card, um, a Paul's Pantry card. Mm -hmm. It's good for six months. Uh, then they have to be re-interviewed again. Yeah. So after that, a person can come in generally once a week uh, to get groceries. Um, we average about 90 pounds of food per visit. So, wow. Um, per person? You know, yeah, per, 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 per household. Uh, you know, and it, it varies, uh, but the average is, is about 90 pounds. And then before they leave, we have them weigh their food on that scale that's right there, that yellow scale. Oh, okay. So it's anywhere like 17,000 pounds to like 22,000 pounds of food out the door every day. It's wow, a lot, know. yeah. Well, you figure, you know, hundred and like yesterday, 199 grocery carts, and usually they're pretty level to the top of that uh -huh. cart. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's incredible. Yeah, and these are not tiny carts. No, by any means. No, they're not. Exactly. <laughs> I'll yeah. kind of show you the warehouse. One unique thing about Paul's Pantry is uh, that we allow people to shop for their own groceries. Um, a lot of food pantries, most food pantries, in fact, uh, are smaller and they're more of an emergency type food pantry where they just give you a bag of food and you're on your way. Uh, here, they call it client choice now. Uh, we were doing this before it was ever given a name by any other, you know, the other food pantries. Uh, but we feel it's a more dignified way to provide people with food they get to shop and actually choose what they want mm -hmm. um, so you know if you if you were just handed a bag full of food you may not use everything that's in that bag not everyone likes pickled quail eggs for instance you sure. know it's going to go straight in the garbage can sure and this way they they choose what they want and and use what they what they take and and you know leave leave the other stuff for someone else yeah so 
it's a it's a really a, a lot more dignified way of uh, providing. If you qualify for food here, uh, you're allowed to, to come in and volunteer. We don't require mm -hmm. it, but a lot of those, uh, about two thirds of the seventy thousand volunteer hours, are are donated by those that are receiving food. Wow! So, you know, it's if you're if they're unemployed or whatever, they don't have anything to do. They they figure, well, why not come in and help? Mm -hmm. um, what happens is it restores their pride and their dignity. They're not just getting a handout. Um, you know, you might be going through the worst time of your life. You lost your job. You're unemployed. You know, things are going horribly. You come in here and you volunteer. You meet 10 other volunteers that day who have it much worse than you do. Um, you're working side by side with them. You're helping yourself while you're helping others. And you feel a lot better about yourself. And it really restores, like I said, your pride and your dignity. And... So they, you know, people will, will actually, you know, continue to volunteer even beyond, you know, their crisis, uh, if if that was the case, um, and continue to come back, uh, and volunteer. Mm -hmm. So it really is a way for people to, to give back, um, you know, while they're getting a, a little bit of help themselves. So uh, that is one of the the greatest things that I see is, you know, people being so depressed and down and then coming in and working with the other volunteers and their, their entire outlook on life changes. Paul's pantry is a big place, so I was wondering where they got all the food that they distribute. Our food comes, uh, well, when we first started, uh, what we were seeking was the day-old bakery and the the produce that wasn't saleable but still edible from stores um, and and Leo Frigo uh, our founder had a very difficult time uh, the first few months uh, convincing the stores to donate that excess food rather than throw it away and um, he actually used to jump into the dumpster uh, he'd wait in the parking lot for the bakery manager to come out with a, you know, a cart full of uh, packages of, of bread and bakery and watch the guy throw it in and he'd go into the dumpster and take it out and bring it back to the, to the pantry. And, um, you know, he said the reason he did that was at the end of the day, his dignity would still be intact and so would the, the poor. Um, they don't have to go jumping into the dumpster. So uh, it was a real uh, eye-opener for a lot of people in the community that this food could be used um, and, and put to a good good purpose, rather. And it does save the store owner uh, money. Uh, they're not having to pay waste management to haul it to the landfill or pay somebody, you know, $9 an hour to mark stuff half price and sell it. Uh, there are uh, definite uh, advantages to donating. You can write off uh, the cost of that uh, on your taxes so that it's a benefit to business, it's a benefit to everyone involved. So it's a win-win. Uh, so, uh, so that's one source of, of 
food that we receive is from all of the stores and we have trucks that go out seven days a week and pick up all of that product from the stores. We have it set up like a grocery store and the donations, you know, they change daily. And this is kind of what I mean about the pink ticket. So they need a pink ticket to take any of these items. Okay. That's the first visit of the week. Yeah. Then we've had a big donation of cottage cheese this mm -hmm. morning. They actually went and picked that up. Yeah, we get lots of pallets, um, pallets of juice a lot of times, cottage cheese, sour cream, cheese, which yeah. is wonderful. Yes. If a truck driver is bringing his load to a, like Super Value for instance, and sure. part of the load is damaged, they'll reject the entire thing. So they'll say, can we bring it over? Yes. yes <laughs> we pray for mistakes <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. Sucks for them, but it's great for us. Right, right. Uh, then you have your, your food manufacturers uh, that are located <laughs> you know, in our area uh, that that actually produce or manufacture the food. Um, and we, we always say pray for mistakes. Uh, a lot of times, you know, mistakes will happen in, in business. You know, they, they might, uh, in the labeling process, they might miss one ingredient on the label and they can't ship it, they can't sell it. Uh, they're not, it costs too much to relabel. Uh, a repackage so they donate that product so you know we'll, we'll get you know uh, 75,000 pounds of uh, you know hot dogs or, or something at a time because of a mistake like that uh, perfectly good product you know it's just they missed an ingredient um, so we, we have got those manufacturers we've got warehouses um, mm -hmm. that are uh, attached to grocery chains, uh, whether they be national chains or local uh, chains, grocery stores, uh, that have damaged product um, or close stated product that they need to move out. Um, so we're able to accept those donations also. Um, so all of that food is being saved from the landfill. Um, so much food is, is wasted in our country each year. Um, and you know we're we're doing our bit. Uh, you know, we were able to rescue nearly five million pounds of food last year from just going to the dump and putting that food to good use and feeding a lot of people. Um, and of course, we have uh, for non-perishable food items, uh, the community has food drives. Um, there's a couple of larger ones like the Boy Scout food drive or the Postal uh, Workers food drive that they have. Uh, those are community-wide food drives, uh, but the the most of the non-perishable food items come from businesses, schools, uh, churches, uh, who have food drives. Uh, a lot of businesses now will have uh, food drives, and they'll have contests between departments, or you know, between the warehouse and the office, or sure. yeah, see who can collect the most food and. And then the winner gets a free pizza day or, or something. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, and the schools do the same thing. They'll have seventh grade versus eighth grade, or, uh, you know, and it's a lot of fun. Um, and I'll tell you what, the kids, uh, when the when the schools do something like that, the kids will bring in anything that's not nailed down. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. Um, so, and we rely on volunteers also to come in from the community. Uh, we're we're almost an entirely volunteer organization. So, uh, you think about all the schools and churches and businesses that come here as groups and individuals and and volunteer their time. Mm -hmm. uh, it, 
you know, 70,000 volunteer hours a year. Wow. Um, so that's wow. a lot of volunteer hours, yeah. And we have St. Norbert College as well as the other schools. So uh, universities do a great job of uh, getting people involved in the community. Um, we do purchase some food items. We purchase uh, milk, eggs, peanut butter, jelly, rice, beans, hamburger, chicken, um, canned soup, canned vegetables, just to make sure that we always have the staples on hand. Sure. And then the rest are all basically donations. Yeah. The monetary donations go for like the electricity, the fuel for the oh, trucks. Okay. Um, wages, there's nine, I think nine paid employees, there might be ten now, but I'm not sure, for purchasing the food also. Yeah. Yeah, but very, very blessed. A lot of our food comes from local growers, which is really good to, you know, the farmer's market uh, here in Green Bay, we collect all of the leftovers each week during the summer. So that provides us with an entire truckload of food every Saturday that gets distributed first thing on Monday. Um, so you're talking about, you know, real fresh, local, locally grown uh, produce. Mm -hmm. um, people plant gardens um, for the pantry. Um, they, you know, people love gardening. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, if that's their hobby, they'll, you know, they can only use so much for their own use. Sure. Um, especially if you're retired and it's just you and your wife. Uh, so you plant a couple extra rows and you donate all of the, the produce here to the, to the pantry. Yeah. So in, in the summer months, uh, especially late summer months, we've got a tremendous amount of uh, fresh tomatoes and cucumbers, zucchini, you know, all kinds of different things and all the squashes as we get, you know, further into the fall. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we're able to provide quite a bit of fresh nutritious uh, produce. This in the morning is usually filled with fresh fruits and vegetables. Sure. Summertime it's loaded. It's yeah, so nice. Bet. People call. I have an excess of cucumbers. I have an excess of zucchini. Can I bring it in? Yes. <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> Another neat thing that we do, uh, a lot of the greenhouses in the spring will donate their excess vegetable plants to the pantry. Mm -hmm. So we're able to hand out vegetable plants to people who, even if you don't have your own land, um, you can take a five-gallon pail and plant a tomato plant. We have so much of that that comes in that we share that with the Green Bay Correctional Institutions okay. here. So the prisoners have a garden there. So they're growing food there uh, from those vegetable plants that, that were provided to Paul's Pantry. and. Whatever they don't use at their facility gets donated back here, so it's it's helping not only them but it's helping the people who uh, depend on Paul's Pantry. Mm -hmm. So it's a real win-win um, that the community is involved in as far as seeing something go from a greenhouse that would have been just composted probably mm -hmm. uh, get donated here to us, and we either give it to an individual uh, to grow their own produce or or it goes to the, to the prison, the prisoners grow the food and it ends up coming back here to help those in need. So yeah. uh, it's a real neat, neat cycle. That is neat. I'd never heard of something like that before. Yeah, it's, uh, it's becoming more and more popular throughout the state of Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Different uh, prison locations are, sure. are growing their own produce. Sure. And, uh, and are able to provide for those in need in their immediate area. Okay.
So that's awesome. Yeah. Had had you guys ever heard of um, anyone else doing that before you? Uh, no. Um, you know, and we were approached by Green Bay Correctional. Uh, you know, the, the the I guess the prisoners who, uh, you know, you earn the right to be able to go out and and work in the garden, uh, and and do those types of things. So there's a an incentive there. Uh, for those folks that are don't have much else to do mm -hmm. uh, during the day, um, to to put their time to good use and and to be able to help themselves and others at the same time. Um, so, what kind of roles do volunteers who come volunteer at Paul's fill? Everything. Um, all of our drivers uh, that go out seven days a week. Uh, to all of the stores and different places that they need to pick up food. Um, hmm. So we, we need drivers. We need driver's helpers, you know, mm -hmm. uh, th that go out and can help do some of the heavier lifting. And then this is our sorting room here. This is oh, where wow. all the action happens in the morning. Okay. So volunteers start coming in at 6 o'clock. That's six days a week. We come okay. in at 6 and we start sorting through the, all the donations that come in. The trucks go out seven days a week. One truck hits the east side of town, one truck hits the west side of town. We do have two bigger trucks that go pick up all, like pallets and stuff like that. Sure. You need a bigger truck for that. Um, Sundays, we have a husband and wife team that actually go out by themselves. Nice. <laughs> yeah, they're wonderful. They come in at 5.30 in the morning every Sunday. Wow. They rarely, rarely miss a Sunday. That's awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. We're so blessed with a lot of, because they're all volunteers. None of them are paid. Right. All the drivers. Right. We right. have van drivers that bring people home. So mm -hmm. if people are able to get here, like via the bus or if they walk here, we're able to take them home with their groceries, which is really nice. Those guys are all volunteers too. Volunteers come in early in the morning and help sort all the food as it comes in mm -hmm. off of the trucks. So we've, we've got... Uh, people who work on the bakery. You've got people that are sorting the produce and, and going through that. We take the good with the bad, so if there is something that's inedible, that goes to a livestock farmer. Hmm. So that's not wasted either. Sure. Uh, so they, they sort through all of that. Uh, we've got people stocking shelves, just like in a grocery store. Mm -hmm. um, so think of the jobs that you would do in a store. Yeah. Those are the same jobs we have here mm -hmm. we have interviewers that you know qualify uh, households oh, sure. to use the pantry so um, and the check-in obviously where they show their card and uh, you know are allowed to come in for and shop for the day mm -hmm. so we've got those types of uh, jobs available uh, warehouse there's a, a lot of product to move around there, there's a lot of it's a busy place and there's always something to do. So yeah, it's a busy, busy operation. Requires anywhere from like 15 to 20 volunteers each day. Most sure. days we're blessed to have that many, some days we're not. Yeah. <laughs> so we just work with who we have and try to do the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. And um, how many paid employees does Paul's have? We have about 10 that actually okay. work at the pantry and those are all uh, positions that supervise the volunteers. Sure. Yeah. It, so it's a it's a small, small group of people uh, that supervise a large group of volunteers. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's organized chaos. Yeah. Uh, most days. Well, to some people it looks like it's it's really organized, and to to us that are here, we're thinking 
you know, things are going crazy sure. uh, cause it's so busy. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, it, it all works out. Uh, it's like I said, organized <laughs> chaos. Sure. They are, they're so dedicated. A mm -hmm. lot of them have been coming for 20, 30 years. Wow. Faithfully each day, like certain ones will come on Monday, certain ones on Tuesday and they'll even call if they're going to be sick. Yeah. I'm, I'm not feeling well. I'm not going to come in today. Yeah. Paid employees that don't do that sometimes. That's true. <laughs> you know, and for volunteers to do it, I was just blown away. I was like, really? Thank uh. you. <laughs> Thank you for calling. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's an incredible organization. Very happy that I found my way here. In the Paul's Pantry logo, the tagline is Neighbors Helping Neighbors. I asked Craig if there were any instances in his mind that really stuck out as representing that community surrounding Paul's Pantry. As far as uh, in the community, uh, we had a neighborhood, a school neighborhood, they put on a circus. Uh, each year they had they made their own booths and had their own games and it was like a, a fair um, and they raised money for Paul's Pantry each year so this little neighborhood well someone uh, noticed that and they said I'm gonna match whatever those kids raise I'll match well someone else found out that that guy was gonna match and they decided to match and that person's employer decided to match. So what those kids, you know, that were, uh, you know, middle school age kids, what they started, you know, quadrupled in size within a matter of a few weeks. Things like that uh, are real neat to see that, you know, one, one good act over here uh, leads to, to other acts of kindness by by other people, you know, that's one example of how, uh, you know, someone else, someone doing one thing can spur a whole chain reaction of other other good things. You know, and we, we like to keep the community involved, you know, we rely on volunteers, but, uh, you know, we invite schools to, to have field trips here, so they bring a group of kids, usually middle uh, middle school age, uh, so they come in and they help. Well, we're seeing uh, kids that came here 20 years ago. Uh, now, their kids are you know, so it, it's becoming generational. Um, so it's real neat um, and community service. Uh, we have a, quite a few people that get court ordered to perform community service hours. Uh, a lot of times it. It might be a teenager who did something boneheaded and got in trouble. So now they have to do 80 hours of community service. They come here and they, they do their hours and they really become part of the team and part of something bigger than themselves. Um, maybe they don't have a lot of structure at home, but they get that structure here because we have rules and guidelines and we've got a bunch of older volunteers who, you know, really crack the whip and make you toe the line, um, you know, and do your fair share. Uh, so, you know, I had a guy come back uh, one afternoon. He backed his car up to our loading dock and he had a whole trunk full of groceries. And as I was unloading those, he handed me a check and he said, is Jackie still work here? 
and Jackie was one of our older volunteers. Uh, she was in her 70s. Uh, she reminded me of Granny on the Hillbillies. Okay. Uh, if you've ever, if you know who I'm talking about. Uh, but he, he said, is she still here? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I had to do community service here when I was a teenager. And I just wanted to come back and, and say thanks and, and make this donation um, because that really made a difference for him, turned around his life. He went on to, to go to college. He was working for an engineering company, uh, had a very nice job and everything. And, of course, Jackie didn't remember him from the thousands of, of uh, kids that, you know, had to come and do community service over the years. But it was still... Uh, it was still a neat thing to, to see how that changed someone's life, yeah. um, you know, and, and we've got a lot of Jackies. So there's different things that could affect us in the future. Mm -hmm. um, volunteers, uh, you know, will the new, uh, younger generations continue to volunteer like the previous generations? Uh, you know, we, we've seen a difference between, say, the World War II uh, generation to the baby boomers and you know and it, it it kind of is trending downward where people aren't uh, they, they still want to volunteer but they're not the coming you know three times a week like uh, previous generations did. People are busy re new retirees are busy doing a lot of things that uh, previous generations maybe didn't have the the uh, means to to be doing and they had more time to give hmm. uh, say to Paul's Pantry or another organization so mm -hmm. I think that you know that's a concern uh, going forward into the future are we going to be able to maintain our volunteer base uh, hmm. because if we had to hire 70,000 hours a year uh, we wouldn't be able to do what we're doing. So we want to encourage everyone to continue to volunteer. Yeah. yeah so. If you want to learn more about Paul's Pantry or get involved, you can find them online at paulspantry.org or follow them on Facebook. That wraps up our show for today. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to Craig and Leslie for taking time to interview with me and tell us all about Paul's. Stay tuned for our next episode, the first Monday of March. <laughs>